Welcome to Interviews. My name is Laurent Autain. I'm a business coach on a quest to crack the entrepreneurship code. So I thought, why not talk to entrepreneurs and ask them the right questions? I make sure to alternate between a male and a female guest every week. I hope their answers will inspire you. This podcast is available on all your favorite platforms. If you enjoy it, there are three ways you can help me make it bigger. One, subscribe. Two, share your favorite episode on social media. Three, buy me a pizza. Blog on my website, laurentnotin.com slash podcast and click on the icon, buy me a pizza. Interviews is brought to you by Social Prize, a marketing and communication agency operating remotely since 2005. Social Prize specializes in digital technologies and communication, web development, e-commerce, remote working, coaching, training, growth hacking. Log on their website, socialprize.me. Hi, welcome to episode three of my special startup series presented by the Nordic Startup School. NSS was founded to improve the quality of startups in Finland and educate their founders to become the best possible entrepreneurs they can be. For more information about NSS, log on their website, nordicstartupschool.com. In this episode, we are going to talk about an extremely important topic, people, and more specifically, team building for startups. Three NSS mentors have joined me. I have with me Mia Bahala. She's the head of talent at Home HD in Germany. And since joining the Berlin early stage startup scene in 2015, Mia has been in people-centric roles because she believes that the quality of our lives are shaped by the quality of our relationships. Her mission with mentoring is exploring more ways to improve our most important connections. Thank you for having me. Um, actually, a small quick addition. Um, this is a very recent piece of news, so you don't have it yet in your bio or in my bio. Um, but I actually started a new company at Here Ooh. Foods. Um, so nice. <laughs> I've actually been as head of people at Here Foods now. Um, home is home is in the past, but it remains one of the most important um, experiences, well, professional experiences of my life. So, you know, that's worth a mention too. But um, Here Foods is now the current one. All right. Then I have Merituli Vaino. People Operations Director at Solita. Currently, Merituli is working on developing Solita's people services across six countries. She's a firm believer in that in even the most tech-savvy companies, success is not gained by mere technological expertise, but rather by grasping a human-to-human mindset. As a mentor, she wants to promote a positive workplace culture. Thanks for having me. And last but not least... We have Alexander Gansen, is an entrepreneur and angel investor. He's a serial entrepreneur with 20, 20 plus, uh, 25 plus years of experience as and an angel investor. He's a founder of a logistics startup, Shipitwise, a lead mentor in Nordic Startup School, of course, also a lead mentor in Technopol and a mentor in Startup Wise Guys Accelerator. Mentoring for him is a way to learn and to give back. Thanks for inviting me. Great. So you guys seems to be seem to be ready. So let's start with the first question. 
why oh why do startups need to focus on people and team building the first thing that comes to mind is maybe that because you're going to be starting up you're going to be changing direction many times maybe a good adaptable team will help you through the the highs and the lows when you're growing and it also mm. offers versatility so that when you struggle with some area then if people are flexible enough in that team as kind of um, willing to learn new things, then it will be easy to move on to the next case that you're working on. Yeah, I, 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 do, I do agree that sort of that focus, especially like in a very early stage, and my experience has been mostly in very early stage startups. And, and if you really think about it, a lot of the times the product isn't even there. It's just an idea. And what actually is going to move the needle are the people who are making that idea come true. Um, so, you know, all those complex set of problems, you need, you need, a, you need a versatile team that can, can tackle those. And, and that's why I think it needs to be a focus. Um, the people are the ones who are going to drive everything forward. No matter how great the idea is, you might still fail just because, you know, there's other complex things coming in your way. Um, so, yeah, it, it is definitely an important one. What about you, Alexander? Yes, so we don't know what we don't know. And uh, uh, when I started my uh, journey with ShipItWise, uh, then fun fact, but uh, when the rest of the team was building the product and uh, uh, building customer relations at the hackathon, I was uh, spending two days in elevator and physical elevator training my elevator pitch. So the product, uh, the MVP was built without me. And uh, that wouldn't be possible without other people, right? I'm a strong believer in, uh, in talents, in other people's talents. And uh, if I'm the smartest guy in the room, then I'm obviously in the wrong room. Oh, yeah, that's a good, that's a good saying. <laughs> certainly true. And I think it's also like, you know, seeing yourself. I think sometimes you fall into that trap of like, you need to know everything yourself. Um, and, and, you know, especially if you're like the founder and, you know, it's your baby and you're kind of building something uh, very close to your heart, uh, you might lose perspective on actually it's a great uh, thing to add different people with different skill sets that can, you know, again, that versatility that Mary Tully was mentioning, it's, it's um, strengthened by having different people who can complement your skill set as well. That's a great point to, uh, to my, the question I wanted to ask. I've heard a lot of startup founders looking for co-founders. And I would like to talk about the importance of having co-founders. You have, you have companies that in startups that uh, don't have any co-founders and you have a lot of companies that do have co-founders. Which one is the most, uh, has, has the most chance to, of, of success? Well, when uh, looking into statistics, uh, which mostly, well, don't lie, uh, we see that uh, the teams uh, with uh, two co-founders um, have usually been the most successful. And uh, especially in cases when we're talking about the tech business where one is uh, techy and another is not. Uh, but this is only about the skill set side uh, for me personally. Uh, my co-founder at ShipItWise, uh, Olari, uh, he had been my like a balancing second half because uh, I'm very outgoing and uh, um, maybe uh, too unconscious and uh, he is uh, a melancholic type of person. So when I was spending money, he was counting money. When I was uh, hiring people, he was testing people. 
etc etc so he uh, fulfilled like my uh, weaknesses and vice versa that's really important i'd say like in any parts of life if you're driving to a new destination if you're solving any kind of problem if there's two of you at least it's probably easier because then you've got two sets of eyes two sets of minds and always the kind of um strengths and weaknesses are better covered so i think it's also kind of um decreasing the risk in some way and also mm. relieving in in hard times when you're struggling with something likely someone you to spar with will help you through better yeah it's true i i do think i do think that there's actually different truths for different stages of company too and and especially that kind of when you're building the product and like you said Mary Tully having like a or, or Alexander as well like this kind of complementary or mirror side to you um i think it's such a great asset to have a co-founder but then again i think of like some larger companies now and like those have been that have been very very successful like amazon or apple or so on they usually have this like one front person um uh there as well and and at some point their co-founders kind of moved into the shadows and i think if if co-founders can figure out a way where they can be like really effective and it's not a 50-50 partnership but maybe more of a 60 or 70% kind of uh, one person takes a lead on certain things um and if you find a nice balance and, and collaboration seems to at least from my perspective that that seems to work really nicely and um doesn't always have to be a, a co-founder relationship as well it can also be you know you can have like a board of people who who support you but you are the front runner um so there's there, i think there's different i don't think you should panic if you don't have like a co-founder um mm. that it's going to be a fail for sure or something like that right yes me i totally agree because uh, that was one promise i gave myself uh, Uh, not so long time ago that my next venture i will fully control why why is that uh again because of uh, of our differences and uh i feel like uh, in this ecosystem when you are building a tech company uh, speed is uh, extremely important you need to have uh, a courage uh, to make certain decisions uh, and uh, obviously you're responsible for them as well so uh if it's not your first venture and uh, not the second anymore like with me today i have uh, much more answers than i had 6 uh, 7 years ago and uh, i think uh, the next decisions uh, in the next venture will be based uh, more on uh, previous experience and data mm. so i'm not sure that uh, i will need a co-founder in my next venture Your right. earlier co-founders are in the background as past experience helping you in the next one then. Yeah, true. So let's let's say I'm a I'm a startup founder. My first question is, all right, do I need a co-founder or not? How can I find out? Uh, if I jump uh, back to uh, to my early beginnings uh, in tech, then uh, I was everything but uh, techy. Uh, I was a hardcore user of uh, of the computers and uh, mobile devices but I knew nothing about uh, software development or UX design or whatsoever uh, so if I wanted to play this game I had uh, two opportunities either to learn all that stuff uh, mm. at least uh, the basics or to find a person next to me uh, who is aware of the questions maybe not the answers but at least the questions and uh, 
that was exactly the person uh, I found as a co-founder. Yeah, I think, I think it starts from knowing yourself, your strengths, your weaknesses, and then thinking of if you have weaknesses, how will you solve them? Will you get kind of consultancy type of help from external uh, people or will you buddy up with someone for a longer term kind of if it's a longer term need then maybe buddying up with a co-founder might help but Mm. if it's a single type of event case then a support network would also uh, work pretty well yeah and it's also what alexander or actually both of you guys were saying like i feel like if you're if you have a certain set of strengths and you're honest with yourself um unlikely that no matter how much time you spend uh, on improving your weaknesses, you're probably never going to be, you know, as good as somebody who loves doing it. Um, and you kind of, have to, it's not only about what you're good at, but also like what you love. And if you're as a, as a CEO, you know, your thing is really like investor relations, then you're just pr- truly like ambitious and, and, and passionate about that type of work, then maybe that's, that should be your focus as opposed to like trying to be a, a CTO at the same time when you're actually not, not loving it so it's also that kind of like passion meets skills versus yeah all right so i figured out that all right i need i need a co-founder because uh, i can't do this everything by myself now the next question is where the heck can i find this person and you know what sort of person do i need yeah uh obviously you need uh, someone who is not you uh he or she uh does have to be the opposite of you, mm. at least. <laughs> in, it has to be the opposite, but, but you have to enjoy being with them because you're going to be spending a lot of time with them. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, my co-founder at Ship It Wise, uh, he was my partner in crime and a friend for years and years before. We have been building uh, different stuff together. So there was a trust and uh, I, I knew him well. Uh, on the family level, uh, but uh, I have also been experiencing several uh, successful cases where people had met each other at hackathons, and the teams, initial teams, were uh, formed there, uh, and now they are successful projects. Mm. Yeah, it's true. I think it's also like I sometimes I feel like the parallel between like dating and building a company or like hiring <laughs> is quite, quite ridiculous. Um, but um, you know, where if you go somewhere where uh, there's a shared interest or you have to have something that binds you together, even though you like Alexander said, you have like complementary skill sets and they're different, but they still you need to have like a common base where you're going from. Um, and a, sort of some belief in like similar values or, or something that keeps, you know, the, the foundations there, I, I, I personally think. Um, and if you if you go to places where, you know, there's a mutual interest um, or even, I don't know, like you said, hackathons or anything that, that kind of that you're genuinely passionate about, you're more likely to meet people that are also similar ish in values in value set as you are. Um, and then I think also I, I hear a lot of stories. I'm not a founder myself, but I just hear a lot of stories of people meeting uh through friends and and family right like through through referrals um like hey i know i I know this great person and you should meet and and then suddenly you know off you are building a company together so i think utilizing your network is also a really nice way to um you know find find your match Mm. and why not contact other founders they might actually know if they had a previous uh, venture and someone Mm. is free on the market or looking for a new new uh, company to join 
So kind of ask others who are also looking for maybe co-founders so you can do some mixing and matching between yourselves. That's uh, yes. And I want to come back to uh, what Alexander, you said. Uh, uh, you, you started by saying you have to find someone who is not you. And I think it's a really important point because I do see a lot of um, founders uh, making the mistake that trying to reproduce themselves. And, and instead of, you know, recruiting for thinking about how, how, the, how the person would fit the company, they just try to think in terms of, you know, having several clones of themselves because they, they would think that it would go faster. And it's absolutely the opposite. That will double your strengths if you clone yourself and it will double your weaknesses also. <laughs> so that's not maybe multiplying is not the best solution here. Yes. Exactly. And I'd say it was really important that that to understand, of course, what your weaknesses are, but don't just look at those. I think what Mia said about the values and kind of the, the shared passion and motivation, that's really important, not just the technical or professional expertise themselves. Mm. I do agree so much with you, Maritoli. I can't imagine. Uh, this is uh, this is the like one of my life's final decisions that uh, in all our next ventures, uh, if there will be any, uh, we're gonna uh, hire and fire uh, based on values only. Uh, and then it depends again on the type of venture uh, you are starting. Because, uh, for instance, now after, uh, well, uh, leaving my previous company and uh, spending quite a lot of time on uh, learning the decentralized things, uh, I got in love with, uh, with the idea of uh, decentralization. So most probably uh, my next venture will be in that field. And it means that uh, tons of people will be collaborating uh, online with uh, uh, freeware. And uh, all they will need for the being, beginning is, uh, is a vision and direction. But uh, after that, I really believe so. We're going to find some amazing people who will decide uh, the vision and the uh, direction. I'm still at startup. I found my co-founder maybe my co-founders so let's say I have a, a team of of a team of two is already a team but let's say we are three or four and we're all co-founders we don't have enough money now to scale up to hire people but we're already a team so we have we need to act as a team we need to build we need to build a team what do we do where where do we start mm, that's a that's a million dollar question <laughs> <laughs> I think what you mentioned earlier about the sort of uh, adding on, uh, like uh, somebody adding into the culture as opposed to fitting in, like that whole discussion, I think is really interesting because it's true. Also, what Mary totally said, like you also double your weaknesses if you just like do clones of yourself. Um, but yeah, like I think a starting point is definitely like understanding who are you as a, as a team right now? Like who who are you? Like what what do you love doing? What do you not love doing? What are your values that brings you together? Kind of laying these like foundational blockers in place. Um, and, and also kind of thinking of where you want to be, um, what type of organization you want to be. Uh, so adding some North stars maybe to, to, the, to the equation as well. Um, and then setting up, uh, setting up a, a, some sort of team building uh, structure or, or hiring structure um, that you, you need to, I don't think processes are everything, um, but if you don't have 
some sort of idea of like how you want to assess people, what good looks like, um, what you're looking for, that these elements, and it can be super simple um, in the beginning. Uh, I think that that's also going to help you help you kind of get get going and, and start adding the first team members um, without it being this like messy ad hoc thing that's not scalable if, if you want to grow big um, or if you even want to grow your team or need to grow your team big. That's a whole other discussion as well. Mm. But um, I think, yeah, so getting those foundations in the beginning right is is uh, a really nice place to start. What, what about you guys? What do you, what's your experience? I was thinking that I haven't been a founder myself, but I've been building teams. And I'd say that also discuss within the team what are the uh, individual strengths and weaknesses so that I love doing this but I hate doing that and I want to be collaborating with uh, these types of topics so kind of the daily work is flowing nicely instead of mm. everyone trying to do the same thing at the same time or having huge gaps in something as an area uh, being forgotten so kind of some loose role maybe a discussion would be a good one also and then maybe also the daily work on how will you communicate on a weekly level and then also like how will you keep track on the big picture i'd say those daily daily and maybe monthly structures are good to have in place because they keep you out of the kind of fires and looking ahead at the goal mm, nice. so like like working principles almost like how yeah, you... working principles that's that's a good mm -hmm. one uh, yeah, I agree. Uh, so the roadmap should be in place. And uh, uh, obviously, when it's only, I don't know, two of you or three of you in the beginning, and you are projecting uh, the future for, I don't know, three to six months, which is usually a bollocks, because uh, you can predict the future even two weeks. Uh, because you don't know what you don't know, you are building completely new stuff. So uh, you're going to see the bottlenecks and uh, the earlier you uh, predict them uh, and the earlier you start uh, thinking about uh, what are the values and uh, skills those people need to carry uh, that uh, you need to fulfill uh, this position and uh, uh, finish the job because in the end it's, uh, it's all about the, uh, the product. Uh, and uh, the customers and uh, the returns to yourself and your investors. Uh, I don't want to uh, say that uh, people in uh, this equation are uh, the tools, uh, obviously not, uh, but uh, what is the focus? If uh, the focus is uh, execution, then you need to look for a certain type of people. It's not enough uh, to be a nice guy, like they say. <laughs> I really enjoy what you guys are talking about because I've seen it a lot with a lot of startups. You have funders, they tend to do all the same tasks uh, and they don't start. And often the question is, where do they start? And they don't start by uh, making this list of this, like their job, their own job description, you know, what am I in charge of? What am I responsible for? What, I, what am I accountable for? And also what you were saying, Mia, about the fact that, you know, we also need to measure the performance because yes, even funders uh, should be assessed by their own by their own performance, not only not only the non-funders. <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> it's true. You're kind of mapping out like an area of responsibility and also what good looks like and and how yeah how to get there. Yeah, super. I, I totally agree. So important.
Yeah, for me, that was a pretty big challenge in the beginning, uh, not about uh, what to do, but about what not to do. Because mm. really, I was trying to be at uh, every meeting, uh, at uh, every decision-making process, and uh, it took me several months before I like, clearly understood that uh, I don't need to be in every room when we have tools to monitor what's going on in those rooms. So if my strength is uh, investors' connections or strategic sales, then I should be in the field selling. That's it. And if I don't trust my team uh, to do the rest, then I hire wrong people and uh, I can only blame myself. That's a good one. If I don't trust my people, why did I, did, why did I recruit them? <laughs> and, and a thing we talk about a lot at work is is when you're leading a team also your team members need to trust you so it has to be two ways and when you have the trust and the openness there the the earlier you can address these small emerging uh, not not problems but maybe concerns the better you are off because if things kind of cook up underneath the hood and, and then something might explode, then you're going to be in the middle of a crisis. So keep it open with the dialogue, create the, the kind of trustworthy environment and also kind of share your concerns and communicate, communicate, communicate. That's mm. really, really important because it's going to be really fast paced, hectic. Um, so there, you will never run out of work. But like Alexander said, also, it's really important to think on, on what are the three most important things I can bring value on and then just forget the rest. Right. Too often we try to be in all places at the same time. I definitely feel like I, I, I've been very guilty of that myself and, and kind of saying yes to, a I don't know, it's a people pleasing trait, I guess, but trying to say yes to too many things and then ending up uh, wearing yourself thin. Um, and then And then also the whole kind of focus uh, that's another important thing with creating those North Stars or goals. Um, focus, gaining focus in, in an early stage startup is, is like, I don't know, I feel like one of the most crucial pillars um, in the beginning or actually, well, to be maintained throughout as well. But it's just that you you lose yourself so quickly um, mm. if you don't have those in place and, and decide on, for example, yeah, top three things you're going to focus on and how, what you're going to bring value to and forget the rest as Mary's always said, yeah. Yeah, that was that was the the topic of the episode number two where we talk about strategy. All right. So another topic I would like to cover is about the CEO. What I've what I would like startups to know is that it's not because you're the funder or the main funder, the guy with the ID, that you have you necessarily gonna be the CEO of your own company. What does it what skills does it require to be the CEO? Yes, it's it's a very good point. Uh, we have uh, this wonderful example of uh, Estonian startup uh, Starship uh, that is building the robots, you know, mm. delivery robots. And uh, Ahti Heinle, who is uh, one of the greatest developers on earth, probably, uh, has only been a CEO of his company for a moment while looking for uh, a person to fit the position because he's a techie and uh, CTO is uh, what he does. Uh, I think the major issue with uh, all those uh, C positions in general is ego. 
<laughs> biggest enemy always. Like uh, we never cared in our company what is written on our business cards. Our business cards were only for external use, and we never took them too seriously. Uh, for instance, uh, I never had a CEO business card, although I filled the position. Uh, I was uh, the uh, chief of first impression. And, uh, mm. well, I liked it because this is what I had to do in the company, to open doors and leave the impression. Uh, I love for that. The I've never heard that chief impression officer before. That's really nice. <laughs> yeah, that, that was my job. And uh, same with other positions. Uh, all those uh, Cs are definitely overrated. I mean, like uh, totally. every, every executive position in early stage company when you're not uh, profitable yet is overrated. Mm. But then uh, you need to take responsibility. Mm. And uh, CEO's responsibility is uh, to carry the flag under the fire at every moment. He is the last or she is the last uh, person standing when everyone is down. Yeah, I'd say that instead of thinking it as the CEO, it's the chief execution officer, making sure that things get done, the strategy is implemented. It's kind of following up and kind of uh, visualizing the strategy, making things work uh, kind of uh, cutting through the obstacles so that team members have their freedom and peace to work well so it's actually if you're not that person like alexander said why why then take that role if that's not your strength yeah so it's kind of like combining almost uh being a seller to the outside and also actually seller of the vision to the team itself reminding them like why they're here um and and what you know why the product is even what problem we're solving and and why why we want to do it this way um and then also being yeah a builder at the same time like having making sure things are being done and really being able to like zoom in and out of like really detail-oriented work and, and big strategy topics and, and understanding how things are put together. I really don't envy, like, I think being a CEO in that sense is, it's a tough, it's a tough line of work. Um, Alexander, you must <laughs> feel the pain, um, definitely. But it's also the biggest reward, I guess, because you're, you know, you're the one who keeps everyone together and, and holds the flag up high, as you guys said, yeah. Honestly, Mia, at uh, that first hackathon, if I would know what price I'm going to pay in the future, I don't know. I, I'm not sure if I would take it the path. Ignorance <laughs> is bliss. <laughs> yes. yeah. But now, six years later, when uh, our startup had a successful merger and uh, we reshaped the structure and everything, and uh, uh, the mother company uh, had the executive people in place, I kind of felt that... Uh, there's no space for me anymore. And uh, there's no space because uh, at the moment when I actually wanted to take the responsibility, I wasn't able to. So I decided to leave, which means that uh, in my next venture, I either be a CEO or there will be any next venture. <laughs> kind of uh, thinking from another viewpoint, what Alexander, you just said is that you didn't have the, the place at the table anymore. So it was kind of a good point to leave. Then there might be a situation where you have 
four co-founders and everyone's giving 10% of their time after their normal day job. So I think that's also a risk if there is no one leading the show in the sense that everyone's doing part-time, you never have you during the week and discuss things. So in that sense, some kind of project manager role is something that is usually kind of, um, in my sense, combined to the CEO role. So it's kind of um, making sure that things are rolling in place, kind of helping keep the communication, keep the timelines, keep the targets. So if, if no one takes that role, I think that's also some kind of warning sign because then it will be uh, kind of, um, you could say that no one's going to care enough. It's going to be the side job, side hustle for everyone. And that's maybe mm. an obstacle for growth. Is that one of the issues you've, you've seen uh, as a mentor with the startups you have mentored? Um, I think it's sometimes it's it's maybe due to the life cycle of the startup that they're still so fresh. They're still forming a team that they haven't yet gone through the uh, discussing the ways of working. They haven't yet discussed the roles. So that might be something that if you don't have the, the ways of working and some kind of elementary role sets in place, then, then make sure that at least someone is looking at at uh, the big picture because if everyone is narrowing down in their own areas no one's looking at the big picture you might be sailing off to the wrong direction mm. completely totally and it's also like building on what we said earlier about or like i think i mentioned this thing like i do think that like co-founder relationships they don't have to be 50 50 or actually i i, mm. I think they shouldn't be 50 that's really true yeah, otherwise you you end up in the inefficiency range. Nobody makes a decision, and you you sometimes have to just disagree and commit. Uh, obviously, not on the larger like the the bigger whys and the, those foundational values, etc. Like those should be aligned, but um, sometimes you just have to just in for the sake of moving forward, um, you have to have somebody who's calling the final shot and saying this is where we're going. And then you can of course course correct. Hopefully not too much. Uh, <laughs> hopefully you're going in the right direction, but. Um, yeah, not having a 50-50 split, I think, is a nice way of thinking about it. And then yeah. also the CEO role can be something that kind of, um, it's, it's changing every six months, for example. You can agree that between founders, you can rotate that. So everyone gets kind of the, the captain mindset. So that actually might uh, build the skills in a good way. Because then you kind of take the lead for your time. And then uh, when that ends, it gives you freedom to kind of focus deep down in the expertise area. At another time so it's not too wearing out but also gives you valuable understanding of the team dynamics what are you laughing alexander did you uh we did that we did that and did it, work? Uh, it ended up uh, a couple of months later when uh, i was business traveling and i found out from the, the local newspaper that uh, um, my third co-founder ceo at that time uh, left uh, the company to fill the position at the governmental institution. <laughs> so I learned about it from the newspaper, <laughs> not from the board meeting. Nice. <laughs> yeah, one day I will write a book about that. Yeah, but that's circling back to the trust. Like we have to have the open discussion and the trust because then you don't have to read it from anywhere else. Mm. Exactly, so because we, we had a meeting, live meeting, like one week before that. Yeah. So, so what are the uh, other issues or questions that startup, startup funders come to you with? 
It can be anything. It, it can be. I, I've been uh, mentoring at the Nordic Startup School for I think almost one and a half years, and it can be anything from from uh, do we need to have a CEO to uh, these people do not seem to get along. How can I? Uh, what should I do? Then it's a lot about technical questions. How should we um, approach our customers? How should we do sales? What kind of sales pipeline should we use? Uh, Mia, Mia, what sort of questions or issues do they come up with? I think I think a really common one. I think everyone is always asking themselves if they're building a team and at companies like where to find the people, um, yeah. where, how to hire, um, how to assess. Like, how do you know if you have a bright star in front of you? Um, I think the like hiring, like anything you can do to like speed up hiring decisions, I think is is a worthwhile investment, um, even if it might seem like taking a bit too much time in the beginning to like kick off and 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 set out um the whole process of like defining who you're looking for etc like it might seem like a big time investment in the beginning but i think it will down the line build a much more scalable setup for you and, and eliminate a lot of those headaches later on in the line uh when you're already anyway so busy you know building selling all these things that you do as a be it a founder or a team lead or anyone responsible for hiring but you know getting understanding how you can get people on board um, is I think always always underestimated like how much time it's going to take and I feel like it's never fully part of people's uh, OKR setup or if you have any other like goal setting setup in place like it it just never I feel like it's never enough <laughs> there because mm. it's just so time consuming. Um, Thanks. Yes 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 Mia thank you. That was actually one of uh, my biggest lessons in life, in, in my business life, when uh, our third co-founder um, took the role of uh, CTO in the company. Uh, well, we really uh, expected him to bring uh, developers on board um, well, in, in early beginnings. But uh, in reality, uh, the first person we found who was capable of uh, building what we need came six months later. Mm. So uh, my recommendation to all the non-tech founders, if you don't have anyone from the tech side, for instance, then deal with that uh, radically. Find, create some partnerships with software houses or some kind of uh, existing companies who can develop for you like from day one uh and uh, then decide uh, do you actually need to hire a person into the team directly or not at least you, you can start uh, delivering product or if it's uh, tech founders uh, like in, we can see in many tech unis uh, who don't have any pitching co-founders or selling co-founders uh, then uh, this is another uh, red flag to investors obviously uh, that uh, you need to find these people. Uh, and again, how can you uh, be sure to find the person who will take the vision of your product? This, this is very tricky. All right, so let's, let's, talk, let's talk about that then. Uh, because I agree, I agree with you. I used, I used to um, run companies on behalf of others. And if there is one lesson I've learned is that you should always take as much time as you need to recruit the right people instead of going super fast. Oh, yes. So my startup is growing a little bit. And now I need to recruit my first staff. 
where do I start? Same questions. Where do I start? What do I do? Etc. Etc. I'd say mentally, you have to first prepare yourself that it's going to take anywhere from three to six months to get the right person in place. Like start with that. It might be faster, but realistically, it will take at least a couple of months when you will have at least someone shortlisted and then kind of have found it. And mm. you think of what are you competing with? How will you find the best talent for your company? You need to be attractive as an employer or as a co-founder kind of offering, like Alexander said. So what will be your kind of selling points to get people to fall in love in your company? I'd start with those. But I'm a startup. I have to go fast. How can I afford, you know, three to six months? It's also like the price you pay later on. Um, like if you do bring on board, you can, I mean, you can obviously then decide I go fast, right? But then then you will pay the price later. Like you either pay or you pay. Like a coach once told me this, and I thought it was a really nice expression. You pay or you pay, but you always pay. Um, so it's, <laughs> you might, you might um, gain some speed for something. Um, maybe you can isolate a project and bring on board like a freelancer for if, the, if the project is like a very, or the problem is mm. a very specific framed, nice like chunk of work. You just need a solution to move forward on. But overall, like honestly, those, those couple of months in the long run are not going to make a difference instead of, you know, losing a year time, a year worth of time because you got the wrong people on board who are just not sharing the same values as you and who are not thinking about or are not passionate about what, what they're actually doing um, and, and are just basically wasting, you're wasting everyone's time. Um, so I, I do think that you just need to, yeah, like Mary truly said, like bring on a, a larger perspective on this and the hiring, it's a really big responsibility. Your, your people's lives, you know, your, 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 getting people involved and, and taking their time that they cannot get back into something that you're doing. It's, it's a big, big chunk uh, to ask um, and, and a great opportunity for those who then come on board, but it needs to be taken seriously. And, and for that, I think the, the time is, a time invested is necessary. And I'd also say that if you're looking for the greatest talent, if you're probably wanting to test them, a freelancer contract might be a good way to kind of get a test run of that person. And it's also mm. kind of low risk, a win-win situation for both. Mm. If someone has some free time from their day job, they might be willing to do it and then they might jump in later on full-time. So that would be a good way to start and still not kind of um, hindering your progress, uh, your work. So you get something done, maybe not that, that uh, big amounts, but uh, maybe also some kind of partnership or just purchasing uh, external services might be the quickest way if you want to get some kind of proof of concept out there. And actually, when we are talking about techie uh, people, then uh, pretty good opportunities to look uh, into the software houses because uh, although uh, they are overpaid there, obviously, <laughs> uh, those guys, they are hired guns. So today they're working on one project, uh, tomorrow on the other, and uh, they never uh, keep the share. Uh, which means that many of the professionals who have been building uh, products for others for years, they are now looking to be, uh, for an opportunity to build a product for themselves. So they actually want uh, uh, a pile of uh, what, what they're doing and uh, uh, joining a startup is an opportunity for them. I am at the, still at the recruitment stage. I got some potential candidates there. What, what, am, I, what am I looking for? Shall I jump in quickly here? Um, Go ahead. I think 
I <laughs> saw um, right, so Mary Tully unmuting herself. So I think we both have a lot to say on this topic. Um, what you're looking for, I think, I think it, it again um, comes one like starter place um, would be to kind of define before you even start hiring. If you have if you have those candidates, or maybe you have some referrals from from friends or family that that are in the pipeline, but you kind of drawing out a map of of a kind of a mission outcomes competency or characteristics type of, of framework or like a, a tour of duty or there's lots of different names out there you can name it basically just like a, a to-do list of like why is this person being being onboarded or why do we need this person what are they what's their mission uh what sort of set of problems are they going to be solving what does their day-to-day -day look like a little bit kind of mapping out a more concrete um, um, roadmap for this person that you want to bring on board. And that also makes you think of what are the essentials and what are the nice to haves? Um, because I think very often we go about hiring with like a long list of like, I want them to be 20 things and, you know, this perfect candidate. And then we don't end up hiring anyone or we hire somebody out of desperation because we've been waiting for six months and nothing's come through and you just kind of pick the person that's there um so, so two extremes there but but essentially just kind of first taking a moment to think of like what you want and what's nice to have what's what's a must-have um and and aligning on the values and then also deciding on how you're going to assess assess that what sort of what sort of questions, what sort of feeling are you looking for when you meet a person? Are they, are they giving you energy or are they taking that energy away? Um, and when they're actually in front of you and, and you actually have the interview process going um, and, and then, yeah, th those will help you eliminate some of those hesitations later on in the, the hiring decision. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'd add on that, that maybe one, one meeting could be on, on the values and on the role and kind of the, the kind of softer things. And then another session could be on the more kind of tech skills, expertise and focusing on that, because that then helps you kind of look at it from many directions. And then if possible, I'd take a friend, if you have some kind of other team member or someone who could join, because two people can always see kind of from a different viewpoint. So you might get a better um, evaluation if you have someone to jump in and join, join the interview. Yeah. In our team, uh, in our team, we used to have three sets of uh, interviews. Uh, eventually, the whole team had an opportunity to uh, have a meeting with uh, a potential candidate, and uh, the feedback from everyone was important. Nice. So it's not only about the technical skills, and this is really, really important to uh, to say that out there. And I would add something actually: reference checks, people. Reference checks. Oh yes, <laughs> it's, it's actually surprising how little one like people do them. Um, I, I'm always surprised. I, I receive so few uh, requests, um, but I think it's it's such also again one of those um, uh, blocker removers um, that that can help you make a decision faster if you just get like Mary totally said another set of another opinion on a, on a person. And it's really not. I don't think it's also about like finding out like bad things. It's also like hey, how can we help this person? If you if you're really convinced they're a great fit, you just want to understand you know how self-reflective is this person. Maybe they 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 haven't brought out something that they're really struggling with because you know a host of reasons that they don't want to talk about that in the interview, but you still will be left with the responsibility to, to manage that person. So you really want to also equip yourself um, to, to support and empower and, and kind of spur that person on. And 
that that's also where reference checks i think are super super important um should mm. be done both ways right like also for the candidate candidates never do enough true. reference checks on the team that they're joining christ <laughs> very true very true so let's continue this this uh, journey i have found my candidate it's the perfect candidate <laughs> of course <laughs> now what we sign the contract the person is recruited first day of work now what uh, at our company, we uh, always have this uh, two weeks bootcamp, mm -hmm. and uh, it's very fair uh, both sides because uh, maybe she's a tea drinker and uh, the rest of us are coffee drinkers, and she just doesn't fit the culture, or uh, vice versa. Um, can she actually deliver on uh, uh, what she promised? Mm. Uh, so working together with the team as one for a couple of weeks uh, already gives you a quite a good understanding of, uh, of the person. And only after that, we offer the uh, contract. Right. Yeah, in most okay. countries, there's this probation period, which is uh, both ways. So also the, the employee and employer have some kind of week or month, month or several months. I think it's at the highest up to six months, depending on, of course, on the, the job duties. But that's something that take benefit of the probation period. It's a trial period both ways. So mm -hmm. you can test that has your first um, decision being correct. So because I'd say that if there is something really off in the first weeks and months, then that's already a warning sign. You have to fix it or you have to just call it and say that, hey, I made the wrong decision by hiring this person. It might go the other way also. The person is maybe disappointed. The job was not what it was promised. So in that sense, Mia's uh, comment on making the kind of um, description of what, what is needed, what's the roadmap helps because then the person has something concrete to kind of follow up on. And the expectations are maybe more on the same level if you have planned it in well in advance. Mm -hmm. And also kind of um, getting to know the team members, the tools, the ways of working, that's really important. They're not going to be kind of ready, set and go from day one. It will take, I'd say, from a couple of weeks to a month when they're kind of in full speed. Yeah, it's, it's hard to resist the temptation of like throwing a new person in like execution mode and like deliver, mm. deliver, delivering something from like day one. I think I think there's definitely a period where you need to like take a deep breath and like un understand, um, take some time to really thinking and understanding and and collecting and 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 sort of observing more so than being straight up like delivering on projects. Um, just because there's a lot of these like uh, I mean we're people, so we have our quirks and getting to know other people's quirks too. Um, beyond beyond assessing like was this a right match and so on, but like assume let's assume it is a perfect match and things are you know on many fronts well. You still need some of that time to understand who everyone is and, and how they work because we're not we're not like out, out from the same mold and, and some people are morning people and they just can't have meetings in the morning or you know every company has their own company culture of how they run how they run a business and it just takes a little bit of time and funnily enough like I'm just in the midst of this myself right like I'm coming into a company where you know there's already some structures and things set up and, and very impressed with everything I've seen so far but of course there's always thing you can always things you can bring on board but before I start like 
bringing in you know what I think is right and 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 sort of almost like an ego thing of like I know best because I'm the head of people here blah 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 you know maybe maybe I should take a bit of a moment to observe and and listen to the to the team and and then collaborate with them to bring something better or v2 of whatever's there <laughs> and I think the background that you're coming from um, affects if you're coming from a big corporation you might not be uh, so used to being uh, on top of decisions you might be kind of questioning a lot more asking for permission but if the person has already worked in a fast-paced startup they're pretty self-organizing I'd say that would be my assumption so check what how do would they want feedback how do they feel like do they feel they have the um they have the power and the knowledge to work in their daily daily role that's also why it is important i believe to have some sort of some sort of an onboarding process for the for the new recruit to come so that that person well is you show the person around even though it's it's very small but you also make the person feel you know uh, welcome Yeah, and if you've get planned a good onboarding process, when you get the next hire, you already mm. have some kind of template to start off for the next person. Of course, the role always might change, but still the basic steps are there. So that's going to help you scale a bit more. If you think it, think it smartly once, then the second time will be much, much easier. Indeed. What are the biggest team building or people mistakes startups can make? Oh, <laughs> again, another good, big, big chunk. Alexander is touching his face in despair. <laughs> um, I think, I think one thing that I, I definitely remember from from previous previous moments of uh, face palming is is just never making like decisions to part ways with with a team member fast enough um, because it's actually very. If, you, if let's say you you did do your homework and you did you know decide on you need certain things and you tried your best in the hiring process but still something went awry and it's not a match and and like Mary said those first high, uh, five, um, like warning signals are there and you need to listen to them and unless you can't you know confront this person talk about it and come up with an action plan and and, and really clear steps to work away from whatever is the the root cause sometimes it's just also okay to be like hey this is not working and and it doesn't have to be this big tragedy um you know you, you just need to uh make a fast decision and stick with it and and not linger on because the issues of like letting something stay that is not uh up to the standard you were expecting or to the same direction uh will also harm the existing team because they'll be confused as to why you can't what why is this person on board that's not really the same you know pulling the rope in the same direction mm. um so you, you you create other issues by not making fast fast decisions yeah. who's on board yeah. ignorance will will make it worse always and trust your gut feeling that's that's so true mia yes on gut feeling uh, <laughs> I, had, i had this situation uh in my team uh that was my toughest decision actually uh my older son was working in a company as a marketing uh, manager and he had a pretty strong conflict with uh, one of uh, the co-founders uh, the bigger shareholders and uh, i knew from my heart that uh, he is right and uh, i made my uh, decision wrong because i preferred uh, not him as uh, the rest of the team could think that i'm protecting my son Mm. That was uh, the worst decision in Shape It Wise ever, because uh, 
the other guy was a traitor in the end. And uh, Sander was the one who uh, raised all the cash and uh, brought all the right people on board. From that moment on, I decided that uh, I want to do all my next ventures with this guy. He has the strongest bullshit filter whatsoever. (laughs) I have a strong one, but he has the strongest. What is the key lesson here then? Uh, Follow your guts, trust your feeling. And uh, doesn't important what others might think or might not. You are are responsible for the the company. I feel like it's so easily said. I think it's like one of it's and it's it's so true, right? But it's it's just you know sometimes it's so counterintuitive, and you I think a lot of us and including myself, you know, you you kind of want to uh, be agreeable and liked, uh, and that so often gets in the way of making you know the right decisions, which can have like short term pain consequences, but ultimately are in the long run the right ones. But um, I, I wouldn't say I don't think I'm 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 there yet. I don't feel like I always I should definitely trust myself more often. But it's it's more like looking back. Um, gosh, by not trusting yourself, like the amount of fifth um, fifth and chaos that creates for everyone is is yeah. Just for the sake of of uh, avoiding some short term pain. Yeah, when it's a small gut feeling, the problem will be very small. When it's a big in your face, then it, the problem will be big. So kind of changing <laughs> things when they're kind of slightly off course is much, much easier than tackling the hard way, kind of firing people. And, and after you have done that once, the, the kind of long way and the hard way, then you will start to trust your gut feeling much, much better. I would assume alexander that your number one practical tip that you will give any startup is trust your gut feelings uh keep your cap table clean is my Ah. first recommendation (laughs) (laughs) and then trust your gut feelings (laughs) what about you Tuli? what's your number one practical tip share the values and the passion i'd say but be different do not clone yourself yeah. Like that. Yeah, I think I think like you said in the beginning in my in my little intro, the sort of quality of relationships uh, is is really a reflection on the quality of our lives. That's a quote from Esther Perel. I did not come up with that. Don't take any credit for it. But um, I do I do think that investing in like surrounding yourself with the type of people that you truly enjoy and and even if it takes a little bit longer but you know really having it doesn't mean friends they can be different. It's it's not about building a family either, but really having. Um, building quality relationships in the broad sense um, in, in a workplace, I think is super important because you spend so much time there. You, you need to, you need to at least get something out of it, some energy and be excited. Um, so yeah, that's mine. All right. So before, before we wrap up, there was a, we talk about a lot of very practical uh, stuff. Is there anything else that you would like to add? Do we have an hour? <laughs> we'll do we'll do another we'll do another episode <laughs> well uh if you are a first-time founder then uh, take the book of ben horowitz the hard thing about hard things and read it as long as you understand it i'd say uh in the team leading context make sure that everyone has the same goal but be ready to mutually agree on changing the goal because you're a startup. Things will change and you will have to change. Do not stick 
forcefully to the old habits if they're not good habits. I think I think I feel like I, I have a tendency to to chat a lot, so I might I might cap it at this one as time's <laughs> tight. But I'd love another conversation so for sure. There's a lot. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot more to say, but uh, let's close it for now. Thank you very much, Alexander, Mia, and Mary Tuli, for your time today. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Thanks. That Thank was fun. You. And thank you all for listening. Before you leave, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. See you next time. Bye-bye.